0: This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery.
1: The patient experience there is what should be at the forefront of that decision and not necessarily cost.
0: Hello and welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. I have three colleagues joining me to talk about home-based infusion. Brian Hardy and Karina Dolan lead visions, work in this space, and Corey Jones is SG2's expert in cancer care, which is a big chunk of home-based infusion, but if not all. Any opportunities for care shifting into the home has been an area of huge popularity, and we've got a ton of questions from our members this year, and that's why we wanted to dig deeper here. A lot of the considerations that a health system will think about as they're deciding how quickly things are shifting in their market, regardless of if they want to push the shift to home or not. Our home-based infusion is moving more quickly than some other shifts to the home. And some of the forces there are going to help us understand some of the forces that are going to drive other shifts to the home as well. Corey, I'll go to you first to set us up and give us the big context here. So there's going to be a number of factors that drive this accelerated pace of shifting infusions off the hospital and clinic-based campuses to the home setting. Now, at the same time, like so many shifts to other lower-cost settings, hospitals, health systems are looking hard at the ROI. If hospitals aren't
2: really pushing this shift, what are all the forces kind of driving that acceleration? Thanks, Trevor. What we've seen, the accelerating component here is the pandemic has created a lot of interest in this area, even though home infusions and really is nothing necessarily new, is that Obviously, the expansion of what type of infusion is going to look like in this space. The pandemic has been something that has pushed on this, but necessarily what is kind of driving is these shifts to lower cost sites of care. And I guess I would invite Karina or Brian to potentially highlight some of the things that they're seeing and their experiences in this space. I'll speak to
3: what we're seeing in terms of the insurance plans, PBMs, the larger major vertically integrated payers, that are configuring benefits and plan packages so that there's financial incentives like lower copays or out-of- pocket costs to encourage patients to choose that lower site of care. Setting, And that's the important differentiator here, that it's really about site of care. With payment and reimbursement updates, the insurers are actually employing site of care vendors to comb through patient records and look for opportunities to convert patients to the more optimal site of care when appropriate. As these programs continue to grow and proliferate, we're seeing payers refine their mechanisms and have an influx of patients to the home setting, which stands to surge dramatically over the next few years. But health system-based providers are also well-positioned to capture some of these patients that are directed away from their outpatient infusion departments. There are a number of benefits for both the provider and the system, and really including more efficient use of that outpatient provider setting and preventing leakage from the system.
1: From my perspective as a oncology pharmacist, I would like to take from the vantage point of the patient, the patient experience is very important as we are talking about home infusion and chemotherapy given in the home. What the patient perceives will happen in the home is very important. I think education on how the chemotherapy at home will take place is really imperative to helping chemotherapy at home take place. There is a little bit of a discrepancy across oncologists on who prefers to have chemotherapy at home, which oncologists prefer to have that remain inside the hospital. The processes for patients can get a little complex as patients oftentimes needs lab, need to go see their physician, then they need chemotherapy. Chemotherapy at home definitely has a place for the right chemotherapy drugs. And it is a great blend of being able to find what that chemotherapy is, who the right patient is to have that chemotherapy given at home, the provider that feels comfortable with it, and then having a better experience for the patient at home at a cost that is acceptable to all the stakeholders.
0: Let's go a little deeper into each of those areas. You've just touched on First, let's talk about the payer landscape. It gets murky pretty fast because so many of the payers are vertically integrated. They also have a PBM. And in some cases, they even operate infusion services. That seems just like an inevitable driver of the shift.
3: This vertical integration is a hallmark of what's going on in terms of the payer landscape. You've got Cigna's acquisition of Express Scripts. You've got Optum's acquisition of Avella Specialty Pharmacy. You've got CVS owning Quorum that operates the largest home infusion network in the U.S. with more than 85 locations. There's a lot there in the vertical integration components. We've also seen some acceleration of activities that are predominantly driven by COVID-19 and this resulting pandemic. On June 25th of last year, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid issued a rule that updated the uh, home infusion therapy service payment rates using 2021 physician fee schedule amounts and really set forth routine updates to the home infusion therapy payment rates for calendar year 2021 and going forward and setting provisions for home infusion therapy services for subsequent years. So, Commercial insurers have already been configuring benefits and plan packages so that there are financial incentives like lower co-pays or out-of-pocket expenses. But it's also increasingly common for payers to structure medical coverage guidelines to move the care to the lower cost setting, including the home. Eighty-eight percent of commercial plans utilize some form of site of care as a means of implementation. And then you've got policies with respect to the treatment in an outpatient setting for the initiation or reinitiation of certain therapies in the hospital outpatient department in order to assess a patient's ability to receive therapy in an alternate site of care. Otherwise, the plan requires that an injectable drug be administered in a non-hospital outpatient setting unless the patient meets some narrowly defined medical necessity criteria. And that rationale and documentation are required from the payer to review requests for medical exceptions. So payers have been successful to a degree, and especially in in regional parts of the country, like the Northeast and out in the West Coast, to ensure that there's a provider network in place to serve the patients moving to these alternate sites of care through that vertical integration. That's a major driver and shift here that we're seeing. Karina, anything you'd like to add to that?
1: Yeah, the payer landscape driving some of these medications to be given by home infusion and altering the sites of care. I understand the background behind why that's happening. And sometimes I have a little bit of a pause for concern. Something that is very important when we talk about the patient experiences, there's a great percentage of patients that have received chemotherapy in a hospital-based or a non-hospital-based infusion center. And that infusion Center creates a very strong sense of community. There is a percentage of patients that when you switch them from a environment that creates a community for them where they feel like they are not alone in their cancer diagnoses and they are becoming best friends with their nurses and with the people who are receiving chemotherapy treatment with them on that day. I think switching patients who are very comfortable in that environment to a at-home environment for the lower cost aspect of it isn't always the best move for the patient. The patient experience there is what should be at the forefront of that decision and not necessarily cost. One other aspect that I think is very important when we talk about moving to at-home chemotherapy or at-home infusions is certainly around the process and the procedure for how that chemotherapy is going to be transported, who is going to compound that chemotherapy and how is it going to be transported and making sure that we're following our national standards around safety for the patients. Also recognizing that not every patient's home is a right environment to administer chemotherapy. If the patient has little kids at home, the patient may not want to expose their child to hazardous medications. How are we going to handle spills? How are we going to handle that hazardous drug being in the environment of the home where others can be exposed to it as well? There are many other aspects of consideration when we're talking about moving patients from an environment of an infusion center to administration of medication that especially those that are hazardous and into a home environment. Trevor home infusion is right for the right patient. For the patient that maybe has a significant challenge in getting to the infusion center, for those who aren't able to walk, for those who are possibly bedbound and for those who are receiving single dose injections, home infusion could be a perfect site for them where the stress of having to transport themselves possibly go long distances. For some patients, home infusion is a one wonderful environment for their medication to be administered in, for the patients that really thrive in that environment that creates a community for them and creates an environment of feeling like there are others out there in the world just like them. Having a cancer diagnosis is absolutely devastating for some and, and creating that environment. We know that patients do better when they have a supportive environment and they have support groups that they can lean on and people who they can talk to for those patients that thrive in that environment that maybe don't have a particular high level of stress transporting themselves, maybe their hospital is very close to them and they enjoy seeing those nurses and those physicians and being in that environment. If they like that type of environment, then their patient satisfaction scores would be higher than if that was not an environment that they actually liked to receive their chemotherapy or their non-chemotherapy treatment.
0: Corey? Talk about how this could impact care team coordination. Some oncologists like it, some don't. It was really helpful to hear, Karina's segmentation of the patients this works well for. Is there a similar segmentation among oncologists and how does that shift impact the provider side of the business?
2: I think national societies have come up against it in the sense of being sure that the right types of infusions are done, as well as the coordination, the safety and regulations it's a little mixed from what we're hearing from societies as well as physicians alike. But I do feel like there is a need for it to understand it, as we've talked with other physicians across the country, that they're very much in line as long as there are those kind of steps and processes that are in place that Brian and Karina have highlighted. The reality of it is, is that they're recognizing that they have to be able to understand it and be able to support it in a way that makes sense for their patients. That kind of comes back to the team coordination, that it becomes one of those things where can you transform your team delivery of care in the onsite to the home? That's a challenge because you can't have that team. We've talked with physicians who say, it's nice to have my patient in the infusion room. If they have any questions, I can actually go over and talk to them. That creates a little difference in the home infusion environment. If they have that construct in place or infrastructure, then the decision and the support of that gets a little easier. Obviously, the types of drugs and what we're seeing from the home infusion platforms is the right drugs in the right place, then what the right mechanisms in place. I will also make one other comment because I think the reality of it is what we've heard. When you start to remove patients from the on-site infusion centers, sometimes that takes some of the capacity out. So, that starts to kind of impact your level of expertise or at least staffing experience because now your team has been structured to support those patients in the on site. Now they're going out. The distribution of expertise and capabilities to support from a resource standpoint, there is some concerns in that as well. It behooves programs to really understand where that breaking point is. Karina and Brian, we've had this conversation, but I think that was some of the concern in this area as well is how you kind of distribute your expertise.
1: Well said, Corey the care team coordination for those programs that are able to fully execute having chemotherapy and non-chemotherapy delivered in the home have a tremendous effort put into this coordination team and they make sure that everybody is aligned and they have a clear process and a clear procedure for which patient will move to the outpatient setting. What's the criteria for that patient look like? Is this a discussion that comes from the physician? Or is this a conversation that's initiated at benefits approval? How are we going to transport that chemotherapy? What are the nurses' criteria for being able to provide that chemo in the home? And those types of elements when there's a health system that is all in, meaning the whole team comes together to walk through this process and have plans for teaching the patient about getting medication at home and who should you contact if you have a question after the nurse leaves How does a nurse handle an allergic reaction that's happening at home? And what's their steps for contacting the physician? When you have your care coordination team fully delineate every single role, responsibility in that process, those teams are the ones who are able to move more patients to the home infusion sites. And they have a higher ability to move patients into that site and have care be excellent for those patients. The more you have this upfront discussion, the process and everything delineated, that is when you will see more patients moved into these sites and how downstream effects will happen.
0: You know, one external force that could slow this down is on the safety and regulatory side. What changes could happen in the next one to two years that can kind of change the outlook for home-based infusion?
1: One of the challenges with home infusion is certainly surrounding the USP 800 and the regulatory bounds of USP 797 and ensuring that those medications are appropriately being compounded and administered safely to patients and to the workforce that's administering them, such as the nursing component. That is certainly a regulatory issue that we have to make sure that these medications are abiding by those rules, as well as transportation of these medications and also on a safety issue, making sure that the right medication is being given to the right patient at the right time and making sure that we're doing this safely for the patient at all times.
0: We've covered a lot of ground here, but I'm still uncertain if you think this represents more of a risk or an opportunity from a health system perspective. Should health systems be pushing hard into home-based infusion or moving cautiously? I'm anxious to hear from everyone and you better not all vote the same. So
2: let's see how we go. Corey, why don't you get us started? My vote is we have to be able to support this and programs have to be considering this as an option, but I don't think it's going to be as big as a lot of people tend to say, but it needs to be there. Brian, I know I'm going to platform over to you.
3: I'm going to respectfully disagree and say that this is a massive opportunity for health system-based providers to be able to capture patients that are going to be directed away from their hospital outpatient departments. Going back to patient satisfaction scores, the National Home Infusion Foundation provides patient satisfaction benchmarking on regular periods. If we go back to their April to June 2019 period, you'll see that they've got a composite score of over 95% satisfaction, that patients are very satisfied with their home infusion equipment, delivery of medications, and supplies. This encompassed over 8,000 patients. There is a a significant opportunity here because patients are happy with it and appears to be embracing home and future. So it's not just the payers that are making the shift, it's the patient population. As baby boomers continue to move into this space and, and they change everything else about healthcare, this is another area where you're just going to see more movement into the home. Karina?
1: I think oncology is limited at best for home infusion. I do think that there are, for the right medication to be given safely, one that does not have a severe side effect profile or an allergic reaction profile, for the right patient that is not able to transport themselves from their home to the infusion site, I think there is a time and a place for a home infusion. With the current workforce situation that we have due to the ongoing pandemic, do we have the nurses available to administer these medications? If so many patients are receiving medications at home and we know at the on-site facilities that one nurse can monitor maybe three patients, maybe four patients, depending on what the medications are that are being administered. And now when you go to home infusion, you move to a one-to-one scenario. And what does the workforce Impact when you're adjusting to an at home environment. When we administer chemotherapy, we have national standards that we want to verify by two practitioners and two nurses that the right medication with the right dose is being given to the right patient. And you remove some of those safeguards when you at least take chemotherapy into the home. So those would be some of my questions that I don't know if they're resolved enough to say, yes, home infusion is going to take off. I do think that there is certainly a time and a place and a right medication for home infusion to happen. I'm just not sure that we're there yet.
0: Yeah, thank you all for sharing so much detail and all the considerations that medical group, health system, cancer service line team would think about when they make determinations about how much they're going to push or allow themselves to be pushed into this space. Look forward to having you all back on SG2 Perspective soon.
1: This has been another episode of SG2 Perspectives. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter at SG2 Healthcare. You can also reach us via email at SG2perspectives at SG2.com. Reach out and let us know what healthcare trends are most important to you. Please also listen and subscribe to our colleague, Dr. Tom Villanueva's Modern Practice podcast, on Vizient's Medical Leadership channel. Tom discusses key healthcare trends through the clinical leadership lens. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.